persuasion is a powerful thing. I can uh, address a little bit of an issue last night. We had uh, a birthday party for my oldest grandson. His name is Wyatt Hunter Howell, and uh, he is uh, here this morning, I believe, somewhere. And uh, my mom kind of wanted to come. She addressed it during the during the week earlier, and uh, thought that she would be able to join us. And um, she wasn't able to have enough strength yesterday. My mom is 80, so I, I gave out her how old she is. Mom, you're watching from home. I know you are. But uh, I'm sorry, but she just didn't really have the strength. She's moving now to Portage um, area to be with my br- my brother's taking care of her. And um, But uh, at the last minute, I text my mom and I said, are you going to come tonight to the birthday party? Well, she was planning on coming, but she was tired. She had moved a lot of stuff. And, and so we, we, she said, come and get me, but give me 15 minutes to get ready. So I did and went and picked her up at her apartment complex and brought her back out to the farm. And uh, she stayed during the time we had uh, with the party and had great food and fellowship. And Wyatt got some things for his birthday. He's 14. Hard to believe that I have a 14-year-old grandson as young as I look, I know. So, but uh, he he's 14, and it's hard to believe that Josh, my oldest son, is is um, going to be what 36 uh, coming up May 31st. He's got his birthday shares with his mom, and uh, my mom uh, wasn't going to come, but I persuaded her. I persuaded her by asking her to come but I'll come pick you up and she said okay and you know what's interesting afterwards because on the way home she just was in the car put her in the truck she's just a little thing and closed the door you know and and she said when I got into the truck thank I I'm just so thankful I came tonight sometimes when it comes to persuasion um, we think of that word is in, in in the scriptures and we see it Many times I think about uh, Mrs. Ott, and I've given you the story before that I was able to fly into Southland and be with her in the last couple of days that she was on this earth, and, and uh, I would hear her in the room all by herself um, repeating this verse, verse number 12. Um, and then she also repeated another one where the word persuaded is being used, and and uh, in, in her heart, she had an understanding of this, uh, of being persuaded or, or being confident. Uh, you know, I think uh, titling this particular message, I stand convinced um, that there are certain things that I, I am not going to move on. Um, there are certain things that I am persuaded on and there are certain things that I am, I am confident of. And um, in this particular verse, verse number 12, it says, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. What does the word persuaded mean according to the dictionary? Influenced um, or drawn to an opinion or determination by argument, advice, or reason suggested, convinced, induced is another word that you could use for the word persuaded. Uh, The word convince is a word that I like uh, because I, I know that we can say that I am or I am not convinced that this is so and so. 
And so the word convince, uh, if we were to look that word up, it would be to persuade or to satisfy the mind by evidence, to subdue the opposition of the mind to truth or to what is alleged and compelled to yield its assets as to convince a man of his errors or to convince him of what is really true. And I think when we come to the understanding, uh, a term that is used in our own circles, it is used a lot of times as the term apologetics. And you're able to uh, convince and persuade and to bring somebody out of a false way of thinking into a correct way of thinking. And let me just say this, that apologetics alone will never save anybody. The power of the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential when somebody becomes a born-again Christian. And so you can study and you can learn all of these things and you can ever be coming to knowledge, but never really coming to the truth of the gospel. That can happen if you're not careful. So reasoning itself is not going to get you to heaven. The Bible is very clear, for he mightily convinced the Jews, showing by the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ, speaking of the Apostle Paul. And Paul used this word uh, persuaded in other texts. He used it in Romans 4, 21, and being fully persuaded that he had promised and was able also to perform it. And so he had this persuasion and this understanding. And he was convinced in the promises of God. He was standing as a man who was convinced. And I think it's important for us to understand also that he wrote, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. You may think right now that nobody loves you. You may think right now that you've been rejected by the culture or society. You may not feel the love of your parents. You may not feel the love of your, of your kinfolks. I'm telling you this morning that God loves you like he loves you like you've never been loved before. His love for you is unending. It's an endless, awesome love from above. It's an agape love, and God gives it to us. You know how I know? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 13 says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I think this in particular word is used here to help us understand that even though the hall of fame of those that were faithful is mentioned, that these people were persuaded that God was going to deliver them from their troubles. This word also was used when Paul was convincing King Agrippa, we remember the story in the book of Acts, and when then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou hast persuaded me to be a Christian. You've almost convinced me. 
You've convinced me by your zeal and your love and your the way that you respond to all the things that are going on around you. And the Apostle Paul is certainly a center of attraction because he wrote to Timothy regarding his fear and regarding his desires that he ought to stand as a young man that is convinced that the scriptures are true and that the God of heaven is the God of heaven. And he gave his only begotten son and his name was Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ went to the cross for every nation, for every person, for every soul. And that particular individual can put their faith and their trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ and be saved, not just for a short period of time, but from all eternity. What a powerful thing. In verse number seven, you can actually understand a little bit more of his writing because he's writing to the younger one, Timothy. And we know that Titus was older and Titus had more responsibility, even though the book of Titus only has three chapters. And we know that the, the, the desire was to put things in order on the island of Crete for Titus. But, but Timothy's direction and, and care by the Apostle Paul seems to be uh, more brought out in the first letter than it is the second letter, Second Timothy. But First Timothy here, he's trying to help him understand a little bit more, I mean in Second Timothy, about his fear problem. And he's saying, I don't want you to be afraid to give people the gospel. Sometimes we're afraid to give the gospel out. Let's just be honest. And we live in a culture now where people want you to wear a mask and stay six feet away from them. And now you're going to be a creepy, friendly person without a mask on saying, hey, if you died today, would you go to heaven? What do you have in mind? Seriously, we live in a culture today where it is more difficult to get the gospel out. But are we convinced in it? We ought not to have the spirit of fear. And verse number 7 tells us that, chapter 1, verse 7 of 2 Peter. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. And remember this, that fear will take your power away. Fear will take your love away. Fear will take your ability to have a sound mind. It'll take it away. Fear is a horrible thing. If you want to hear the second half of a wonderful message, come March 20th in the evening, Brother Mauricio is going to be up fabulous message last Sunday night. And if you have the opportunity, please get on Facebook and and share it with your friends. Beautiful message on the God of phobia or the God of fear in our culture today. But this is something that Paul thought I need to address with little young Peter and I got to, I mean, with little young Timothy. And I want him, I want him to know that he, he can't have that spirit of fear because, and here's why I I know that the emphasis was in the area of getting the gospel out because of the next verse. The next verse says to him, uh, be not there. So he said, don't be afraid. Okay. So, so be not therefore, because of all the stuff I've told you earlier, ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou, what? Be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. And so he's speaking to young Timothy to help him to be able to have what, we, what I would call, and my first point is, the foundation of confidence. Or so the foundation of his confidence then was that he believed and received the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here we are going back to the obvious. We're here today because of the gospel. We're here today because of what the Bible says. And sometimes people call Baptists, you know, they're the people that don't have any fun. They're the people that don't, you know, they don't do anything. They don't sing, dance, you know, do anything. You just sit around, you know. 
No, I, I, there's nobody in this room that has more fun than I do. And I'm praising the Lord. I have no pain this morning. Thank you for praying for me. And, and I can walk now like I'm a normal. I've got a big incision in the back of my leg. But, but that's okay. It'll heal up. And, and, and God's been so good through all of this. And I'm, I'm so excited about getting outside and out the outdoors. i got to take it easy. Everybody's saying, take it easy. Yeah, I'm taking it easy. But taking it easy for eight months. And it's been very hard. <laughs> What is the foundation of your confidence? What gives you that step of uh, quickness? What gives you that personality of kindness and that ability to continue to move forward when things get tough? The foundation of your confidence is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's powerful here because we actually believe and uh, receive at the same time the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse number 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 1, gives us the gospel very clear. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and here you stand. He's speaking to those people at the church of Corinth, and he's letting them to know that they have put their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and so that is the foundation of our confidence. And then we have an understanding to build upon that foundation. Build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. Your home needs to be built on that. Your life needs to be built upon that foundation of Christ and him crucified. We need to have this understanding. And I don't care how old a person is, when the Spirit of God works in them and you give them the gospel, they're going to hear and listen to you. And, 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 you know, Paul, sometimes, you know, when he's trying to convince or persuade, you know what they called him? The babbler, if you look in Acts chapter 17. What does this babbler have to say? You know, how is he going to be able to convince? Does he have something goofy to say again? But he's not ashamed of that. And he's telling Timothy, telling Timothy don't you be ashamed either, Timothy. So he built his life on the foundation of Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Or chapter 3, verse number 11, for other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There is salvation in none other. Matthew chapter 7 gives us that wonderful story. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him to a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not. For it was founded... Upon a rock, and every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them shall be like unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, of course, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat at the house, and it fell, and it was a great fall. Interesting how you think about this, because it gives us an understanding of building our lives upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see very clearly in these few verses, in the beginning of this, verses 8 through 10, he is giving him the understanding of your confidence needs to be in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to the works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Pretty powerful thought that we actually have the grace of God given to us before the world began. 
We're saved by grace, not by works of righteousness, not by attending church and doing all the things that you think you need to do. We were talking about this in men's Sunday school class. We as humans like to do something. We want to help God. We think, I can do more, I can do this, I can do this. When God's saying it's already done, you already have a haven of rest. The haven of rest is Jesus. And you come to him, and the simplicity that is in Christ is absolutely essential. And many of the children that come to the, 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 to the children's church program here can learn about Jesus Christ and receive him at a very early age. Many of you have trusted Christ at an early age and put your faith in him. The foundation is Christ, but also the foundation then of his confidence in verse number 8 and 9. Look at verse number 10. But is now made manifest, revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So he abolished death, he destroyed death, and he took away the sting and the, and, and the, 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 the fear of death. Death to some people is pretty spooky, you know. Uh, no matter how you uh, live, no matter what your faith is, um, if you don't have Christ Jesus um, as your Savior, personal Savior, you're not going to heaven. Uh, you can be religious. I was witnessing to a nurse that was at the hospital, and she said, we won't talk about these things here. I can't talk about religion or politics. And I said, I'm not. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you're not going to heaven. There's no other explanation. So giving us that understanding and that peace helps us to be able to communicate that to others. And I want to encourage you today that have trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, that that the Lord will help you to be strong and to be convinced and then to stand convinced in these things and and not be weak-kneed. We don't need any born-again believers today. We need strong believers that are confident of what they believe and that are convinced that these things are true. I need to hurry. I think it's important for us to grasp this understanding a little bit more as we look at verse number 10. Because he talks about how that the death and the sting and the fear of death is gone. Uh, more people have come to me recently and said, I don't know what it's going to be like when I die. What is it like, Pastor? I don't know. I never died yet. <laughs> Are you planning something? Uh, my father was the first one that asked me. He's going to be 84 lives by himself in an apartment over in some prairie, and he slipped out of his chair and fell down, hit his head on the TV tray, and got a wooden one there. And He said, I was out for a few minutes. I got back up, and I sat in my chair, and I thought, I wonder if that's what it's like when I die. I just go. And I said, that, that's, that might be the way it goes, Dad. But I said, it's going to be glorious, Dad. Because at the age of 13, he put his faith and his trust in Jesus Christ. And I believe and I am convinced that when my father takes his last breath, he'll be with Jesus. And he'll be with his mother. He'll be with Mammy, his great-grandma. And this is her Bible. What a blessing to be able to know and have the confidence that you're going to see your loved one someday again. Because of what Jesus Christ has done. When you close your eyes in death, 
It'll be just a crossing over to a glorious, the beautiful sounds, the beautiful sights. So the foundation of his confidence, we see that in these verses. I want to skip some verses and look at verse number 13. I want to talk about the fuel of his confidence for just a minute. The fuel of his confidence, and let's go from here. Let's just read the, finish the chapter because of the time. Uh, 13 says, hold fast uh, the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwells in us. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia, of course, to turn away from me, of whom in these two other towns, the Lord gave mercy unto the house of Onesimus, or Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently. And then he found me, and the Lord grant unto him that he, of course, may find mercy of the Lord in that day. Hope he's going to get saved. And how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, and thou knowest very well. And so when we're thinking about the fuel of the confidence, I think we're talking about sound words or healthy speech, if you would. What, what fuels us? Sound doctrine fuels us. What fuels us? When the word of God is being preached and explained to us, we can be strengthened in the inner man. And someone texted me that this, this week also and said, what is the inner man? That is where the Lord Jesus abides. That's where his spirit is, is inside of you. And by the way, if you do not have him, you know you don't have him. You don't, well, I don't know if I'm saved. I am saved. I think I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm saved. If you have that much wavering, then you're probably not saved. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to help you. But sound, healthy words from the scriptures are absolutely essential, according to verse number 13. The indwelling of the Spirit kind of fuels us, if you would, in verse number 14. It's like a, a fountain within us. It's like we, we absorb it into us, and we kind of got this backwards. We think that we're supposed to look a look all the time. If you don't look this way, you don't look like you're saved. Oh, my! Think about that. The Lord Jesus himself would walk in here today, and we wonder if he was saved according to some of the Baptists. Rules. I'm getting quiet in here. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Steady, gracious influence is so needed to assure us and ensure us in that Christ-likeness, that soft, sweet voice from the Spirit of God that is that bearing witness with my spirit that these things are true, that there is hope, that there is love and there is faith that really matters. Uh, someone wrote this, the sea can only be kept heaped up in waves by the constant pressure of the wind. Take away the pressure and it soon flows back into its old level. So if we want, therefore, to get water to keep it at a high level, we must do it by filling up from underneath. Applying this to our hearts, he wrote, we want to tone our hearts and lives to rise to the 
really higher level to be more Christ-like, more peaceful with people, more holy. It must be done by filling up, not merely agitating the surface by excitements and emotions. We may get great waves this way, but we shall have great hallows between them if we do, great valleys that we will fall into, and great commotions perhaps, but no real gain because it is only affecting the emotion and the intellect and it has not touched the will of the man. For it is God's grace in the heart, the gradual filling up of all of our needs and deficiencies by the Holy Spirit of God, which can alone raise our hearts and lives to a higher level of purity and holiness. And as we cast off all the bad habits, we need to be acquiring good ones in their place. And as we stir up by sermons and services to wish we live more holy lives, we need to be acting as well as wishing rightly if we want to get on with our lives. But this is no hopeless, heartless task, for the Lord's promises are forever sure, and we must turn to them. And what he's saying here basically is let the word of God dwell in us richly. Amen. So that then there will be the psalms and the, and, the, and the singing of spiritual songs and the verses will come back to our minds. And so it is taking in the word of God and filling us up on the inner man being strengthened and strong so that we can endure. So we can stand convinced. Also in good fellowship... Good fellowship with good people, that's what helps us to fuel us. The proper kind of fellowship. Don't you love it when you're around someone that loves the Bible and loves the Lord? It's just, oh, it's just so exciting. It's like, wow, we're so like-minded. It's wonderful. And that's what he felt like here. And he wanted to just to write his name out and say, what a, what a blessing. This might be Onesimus, but Onesiphorus could be the long-term name of, of, of Onesimus. I'm not sure. But the Lord gave this particular person to refresh him. And it was refreshing when he came. It was, it was something that actually says, I'm so delighted to be in this person's presence. The Apostle Paul was saying that. John Wesley said, I want the whole Bible for my book. I want the whole Christ for my Savior. I want the whole church for my fellowship and the whole world for my mission field. Pretty powerful. There was a little old lady named Mammy. That's what we called our great-grandmother, but I read the story, so I thought I'd read it to you. It says Mammy had frequent, frequent trips to the post office. And one day she was confronted with a super long line and all kinds of people there, and finally one of the ladies that was there said, Mammy, all you need to do is go over and get stamps from the machine. Why don't you just use the stamp machine? You can get all the stamps you want right over there by the machine. Mammy looked at the young lady and said, I know, but the machine never asks me how my arthritis is. Social media wants to know what's on your mind. Sometimes I just write none of your business. People need human contact. 
We love you folks at home. But you can come. So we grow and we understand more of the gospel and of the spirit of God. We understand of his sufferings and so on. What is the fruit of confidence? And the fruit of his confidence is found in those two verses that I skipped. And I am closing, by the way. Verse number 11 and verse number 12 gives us that fruit of that confidence I'm talking about. It says, whereunto I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. That's what I am. The Apostle Paul, that's what I am. That's the fruit of his confidence. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. Remember what he said in verse number 8 to Timothy? Be thou, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Don't be ashamed of what he's done. I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed And I am persuaded and I am convinced that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. So he had a purpose in life. Maybe you're thinking a little bit too much lately. And maybe you're wondering, why am I here? What is God? Is there a God? And is there a purpose? The answer is yes. And he wants you first to come to him. And then once you've come to him, you put your faith and your trust in him by receiving him. You believe in your heart, then confess with your mouth that he is the Christ. And if you haven't done that, or if you're not sure if you've done that, or you don't really know, then you can't stand in confidence. You're kind of wondering, he's actually calling you. The Spirit's saying, come unto me. Jesus wants to save you this morning. He wants to make it simple for you. He has made it. Very simple. The little seven-year-old boy that had a hard time growing up called Dean Howell could be saved at seven years old. It's amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I was in kindergarten class, and I did not get the simple things. But God saved me by faith. Because now you're not saved by intellect, by reasoning. You're saved by the Holy Spirit of the God of heaven. The simplicity that is in Jesus Christ needs to be spread all over Madison. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. How come we always do that? I don't know. (laughs) This little fingernail of mine. I'm not ashamed of Christ. I'm not fearful because the Bible tells me here in this particular verse he's going to keep, that's the word guard, that which I have committed. You see, when you came to him, he wrote your name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. (laughs) And it can never be taken out. 
powerful thing because we, as people, sometimes cut off people. Say, well, they were, they were my friend, you know. He loves you enough to save you forever. Have you put your faith and your trust in him? The simplicity of it all. I'm convinced. I'm convinced and I am persuaded that he is able to keep me until that day. Are you convinced? Do you stand convinced? God wants you to be. With every bow, every eye closed, if you would. Every eye closed and every head bowed just for a moment. I want to speak to you. Maybe you're struggling with your own understanding of salvation. And the Lord has opened up your eyes to what is true. But maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Howell, I, I, I'm not sure that I'm going to heaven when I die. I want to be sure. Dear friend, the Bible says these things I wrote unto you that you may know you have eternal life. You don't have to go through life wondering. You can know because of what is written in the word of the God of heaven. And maybe this morning you'd say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I won't point you out. I won't make you do anything. I just want to pray for you. Just lift your hand and say, pray for me, because I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I'm not standing convinced. Would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that? Just lift up your hand and put it down really quick. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm not sure. Anyone else? Maybe then, for you, Christian, you've been a little bit fearful and afraid. Not necessarily ashamed of Christ, but been fearful to say something about him. Please, stand strong. And maybe you just need to come and renew your relationship with him. Why don't you come this morning? Would you please stand? No one looking around this morning. Let's have an invitation. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.